illegal immigration is not getting any better despite claims that the border is secure. And we're going to do something a little bit different today, and we're going to see if we can review a really interesting show that Amazon has put out. Stick with us. We'll see what that is. I'm your host, Zach, and this is Zach's Fact Shack. Hello, and welcome back to Zach's Fact Shack. I'm your host, Zach. I had needed to take a little bit of a break, so this last Friday there was no episode. So if you were looking for it, I apologize. It was never recorded. It was kind of a busy week for me. had a lot going on, and I just needed to let my mind clear. You know, it's not easy hanging out and sticking uh, your, your, yourself into uh, politics and into the, the culture as we know it right now. It's not always easy to just stay there and stay the course with that. Sometimes you just kind of, kind of got to take a break. That's where I got this past weekend, so I apologize for that. But we're back. We're going to look at some more stuff, stuff that I find interesting, and hopefully you will as well. But remember to like, subscribe, and share this episode, whether you're on YouTube, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever, Apple. I don't care. Make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast. Leave a five-star review. It helps us a lot, and it lets people know how good we're doing. Also, make sure to go like our new Facebook page if you haven't already. It is where you're going to be able to find a lot of stuff. I'm going to try to keep everybody posted there. You're going to know what's going on uh, there as well as on our Instagram page. So make sure you go find those. But for now, let's go ahead and see if we can't get rolling. So like I said, I kind of took a hiatus over the weekend and kind of cleared my mind. And I got out of politics a little bit and tried to just kind of enjoy life. And I think I pretty well successfully did that, but we're back now and there's stuff we got to talk about. And right now, the biggest thing that I want to talk about is the status of our Southern border. So if you are on a conservative thought process with this, your idea is that we should lock down the border not closing out, not stopping legal immigration from happening, but you want to close the border and get a hold of who's coming in and knowing who's visiting, right? Knowing who's living here, uh, whether they're good or bad guys. You know, whenever you have a bunch of people moving in and there's no knowledge of who they are, that you have no idea. That's genuinely, you just don't know who they are. So you want to see if you can't figure that out. If you're on the more liberal side, you tend to believe that, you know, borders are, Uh, arbitrary. They're man's invention. They should be gotten rid of. No person is illegal. These are all phrases that you've heard um, from from a a more liberal bent with the idea of people should have the right to live and to access the amazing country that is the U.S. And I would agree. They do. People should have the ability to get here. Um, But I think I have a little bit of a middle ground on this for for several people. I know that some people go all the way as far as that we should shut down immigration altogether, which I think is a terrible idea. I don't think that we should do that. I think it's a very bad idea, and I don't think it's going to be helpful. But what I do think should take place is that we should secure our border. Now, illegal immigration hits a little close to home for me because I know people that are here – illegally that have made these decisions in their past and have worked hard to correct those decisions and to be here legally um, and to be here and to abide by the laws that are uh, that, that govern this country. And they are doing their dead level best to be productive members of society and to be just honestly amazing people living in this country because that's the thing. There are is a, there's a lot of diverse beliefs and understanding that can survive in this country and that can thrive in this country because of our understanding of freedom and liberty for everybody, right? We understand that our ideals as a country are just that grand, right? We don't always live up to them. We are a country of humans, therefore we are a country of mistakes, right? We make mistakes, we make bad choices, no country is perfect, but this country has fought and died to protect its freedom and to correct those wrongs and to drive forward. And we have become one of the freest and most 
desirable countries in the world to live in. And if you don't believe me, you can look to the southern border to determine that because people are so enamored with getting into this country because of how good it is. They are crossing deserts to get in to this country. So anybody who tells me that this country is not amazing, that it's not great, you're living, you're living under a rock. You have desi- decided to live in an alternate reality. Again, I acknowledge that our country is not perfect. Our country has its flaws. But we are still the one of, if not the absolute greatest country to ever walk the face of this planet because everyone has a chance here. If you live here, if you're a citizen here, if you're a legal resident here, you have a chance to make a new life, to make something better of yourself and to move forward with your life and to make sure that your child has a better life than you. That's what you're able to do in the United States. But here's the deal. I believe that we should absolutely fix our immigration system. I think it's bulky. I think it's overloaded. I think they're, it, it's mired in uh, bureaucratic red tape. But what I don't think should be happening, what I don't think is a good idea, is an open border policy of which it appears of what Biden seems to be enacting, whether on purpose or just simply ineptitude, because that's what's going on. Right now, we are looking at a record-breaking number of people crossing the border illegally in Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, and California. And they are crossing in numbers that we have never seen. Somewhere around 2 million people have already crossed or nearing that number anyway. And that number can, will continue to grow. The reason being is manyfold, but the idea is that the understanding is if you get into the country, you're pretty much guaranteed to stay because we are not prosecuting. We are not um, push, putting back in Mexico with the stay in Mexico policy that Trump had. Uh, that's no longer enforced. And so all of the cells are full. The cages, as it was put under Trump, uh, are full of children um, by themselves still. Uh, In fact, more so than under Trump ever. Um, And for longer periods of time under Biden, just like they were under Obama. But we're not going to talk about that because that's taboo. See, I've told you, I am a conservative person. I do not vote particularly one party or or the other. But I will tell you what I think and what I see as uh, facts and reality. And this is what I see. I see that Obama and Biden absolutely have harmed the country far more in the way of illegal immigration than Trump ever did. What I see is that people are finding it worth their while to risk their lives, their health, their innocence to trek thousands of miles across deserts, mountains, and wastelands to illegally enter the southern border, many of them simply drowning as they cross the final river. There's nothing good happening on the southern border when people are crossing it in millions upon millions every year. The only thing happening down there is that the cartels are making more money than ever. They're able to move more product than ever, and they're able to move more people than ever, and they don't particularly care if the people survive because they've already been paid. It doesn't matter to them if the person survives. They've got their money. They're just going to move on. And it's left up to the Border Patrol officers to attempt to rescue many of these people and honestly failing in many cases because it's just that dangerous. This is ridiculous. It makes no sense. There is no reason for us to be in the situation that we're in. And yet here we are with Biden administration pushing even further. I want to show you a clip to explain what I'm talking about. It is unfortunately from Fox News. I do not like Fox News. I don't watch it. I do not 
uh, subscribed to it. I try to avoid it wherever I can, but this was the only place where I could find a clip that was referring to what I was, what I had seen, and what was going on. So I'll, I'll play this for you, and then we'll we'll go from there. Harris, good morning to you. These sanctuary cities can certainly expect a lot more buses heading their way because things down here not slowing down at all. Here in the Del Rio sector, they are still averaging upwards of 1,500 to 2,000 illegal crossings every single day. Case in point, take a look at this video we shot just after sunrise this morning. Once again, another single massive group of about 200 migrants who crossed illegally all at once here in Eagle Pass. And as you can see from the drone video, almost all of them are single adult men. Most of the people crossing here from Venezuela, Cuba, and Nicaragua, you'll actually see some of the migrants actually hung up a Venezuelan flag on the fence here on this private property that was put up by the state of Texas. And most of these folks not being Title 42, so most of them will be released into the United States once they're done being processed. And take a, a look at this video out of El Paso in West Texas. They are getting overrun there. What you're looking at are street releases of migrants. Border Patrol so overwhelmed, they are so over capacity, and the local NGOs are over capacity that Border Patrol has just started dropping off migrants on city streets, street corners. Migrants are having to sleep on sidewalks in front of bus stops. The city is totally overwhelmed right now. The numbers in El Paso have shot up like a rocket ship in recent days. Take a listen to what the Democratic mayor as well as the NGO have to say about it. A month ago, we were seeing about two, three, four hundred a day. Now we're seeing anywhere from a thousand to fourteen hundred a day. We do have some concerns because, especially within recent days and the street releases that are taking place, um, we simply don't have space. And as a result of all this, take a look. The city of El Paso now sending its own buses full of migrants to New York City. This is video of one of those buses arriving in the Big Apple. Remember, El Paso is a Democrat-led city, and they are saying they are so overwhelmed, they too are now having to bus migrants all the way to New York City and other cities around the country. El Paso actually going to be holding a meeting tonight to discuss awarding a contract to a charter bus company for upwards of $2 million for a 16-month contract to potentially start sending more charter buses all around the country to other cities. Harris, the city of El Paso, says they're considering sending a maximum of four buses every single day to other cities around the country, primarily, though, New York City, because they say that is where most of the migrants are requesting to go. We'll send it back to you. So if you're watching on YouTube, you see the footage. I'll describe to you what we just watched if you're listening. There are millions of people crossing the border every year in groups of hundreds sometimes. They're placing flags from other countries. They're putting flags up as they cross the border. I I have no problem with people being proud of where they come from. I'm proud of where I come from. If I moved to Germany, I would probably wear... American flag clothing sometimes, and I would probably have an American flag raised in my house. I have no problem with that. What I am concerned about is that when you are crossing the border illegally, knowingly illegally, when you are immediately breaking the laws of this country, I have to wonder if your motives are great. I'm not, do not try to make this into a, they're not sending us the best hoax. I'm not, we're not going there. What I'm saying is that because we don't know who is entering the border, we do not know the motives of those entering the border. We do not know if it is a gang member or little old grandma. Is that easy enough to tell? You have to ask somebody more educated than I am in this scenario. I'm not going to make claims there. But what I can say is that when you have millions of people crossing the border, that's what we know of. We know of 2 million people crossing. It is estimated that there are as many as 4 or 5 million 
that have made it across without being seen. So we're looking at a possibility of six to seven million people having crossed into our country illegally in the last year. That is not sustainable. It is not sustainable. And you can look at the larger cities that have all declared in the past that they're sanctuary cities, that they would not cooperate with ICE, Immigration Customs Enforcement. They would not cooperate. They would not allow the deportation of these people. Here's the thing. What is happening now is the the Democrat-led cities in the Northeast and in the Midwest that have long held to the belief that they should be sanctuary cities are suddenly finding themselves inundated with illegal immigrants being bused to their cities by border towns who cannot handle the crisis because not even the largest cities among us are able to handle the crisis. I think probably one of the best things that the right-leaning governors have done is allow the left to see their own consequences. You see, the left primarily lives away from the border. Not all of them, but the left primarily lives away from the border. They live in the unreachable, untouchable elite homes. Now I'm talking about the left of the, 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 the leaders on the left, right? The, the, the leaders of the Democratic Party that are so far to the left that they're saying open borders, no borders should ever exist, all one big country. They're untouched by this until now because now the problem is coming to their doorstep and they don't like it. They find it to be a problem. You see, what what I have noticed, and maybe I'm wrong, but what I've noticed is that the elite on both sides, the elite tend to like their houses to be left alone and for the property values to continue to soar, to make them more wealthy. And having millions of people suddenly dumped on your doorstep, homeless, jobless, helpless, hungry, sick, all of these people, in the condition that they're coming across the border, simply moved forward as the story said that being actually requesting to go to New York City, in many cases, these people are suddenly dumped onto the doorstep of the elite. And suddenly their property values go down. Suddenly they don't feel so safe. Suddenly they have to look at the true consequences of their indecision and inaction and inability to do what is right. You see, little girls are crossing the border as sex slaves. Little boys are crossing the border chocked full of drugs as mules. This is how they get, how they pay their way across to a better country, a better life. Only thing is, they're never set free. You see, just like in days of old, the Democrat Party and the policies that they have enacted and are pushing and striving for has not only enabled, it has progressed and made to flourish the slave trade. Only it's not the transatlantic slave trade this time. It's the transborder slave trade. It's the sex slave trade. It's the drug slave trade. You see, the Democrats, the Democrat Party, the leaders of it, their policies have driven us to this point, to this moment. 
And when they're faced with all of the evidence that says that's exactly what's happening, what do they say? Listen to Kamala Harris and what she says. Final topic here. Since uh, we're here in Texas, I want to ask you about the border. Would you call the border secure? I think that there is no question that we have to do what the president and I asked Congress to do. Is the first request we made, pass a bill to create a pathway to citizenship. The border is secure, but we also have a broken immigration system, in particular over the last four years before we came in, and it needs to be fixed. We're going to have two million people cross this border for the first time ever. You're confident this border is secure? We have a secure border in that that is a priority for any nation, including ours and our administration. But there are still a lot of problems that we are trying to fix, given the deterioration that happened over the last four years. So, what's the answer? When you are met face-to-face with the reality of millions of people crossing the border, two things. The border's secure. And Trump did it. Those are the arguments. The border's secure, and it's Trump's fault. So, if the border is secure, what are we blaming Trump for? If we're blaming Trump for something, how is the border secure? I'm not seeing how this is a possibility. The two are not marriable. They do not happen together. Either Trump is at fault or the border is secure, but not both. I want to read, I, 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 I clipped it, and I want to read what Kamala Harris actually said, and I thought it was interesting. We have a secure border, and that is a priority for any nation, including ours and our administration. Now, somebody said, might say that she said something different, but this is what I heard. I'm going to read it again. We have a secure border in that this is a priority for any nation, including ours and our administration. She literally said nothing. She said it's secure in as much as it's our priority for it to be secure. But that doesn't mean it's secure just because it's your priority. Because you claim it's your priority. I can say that it is my priority to run a marathon tomorrow. That ain't going to happen. It, it is my priority to be six foot seven. Again, not going to happen. Just because you claim something is your priority, one, doesn't mean you're actually doing anything for it because I see no evidence that you're doing anything for it. And two, the evidence says it's not your priority. Not only do we not have a, we don't have evidence to say it is your priority, we have positive evidence to say that it's not your priority. And yet here we are with the same platitudes and Simplicities being pushed out by the leaders of the Democratic Party with just more lies. I don't understand how anybody can think that this is a good thing. It's not. The carnage, the destruction, the pain, the inhumane treatment of the people crossing our border illegally every single day and night, every minute of every hour, every second of every minute, is being caused by the leaders of the Democratic Party and by the Biden administration. They are causing the exploitation, the abuse, the torture of these innocent people as they desperately try to clamor across the vast wastelands and deserts of the border and hope and pray, hope and pray they don't die on the way. 
know, many people would say, well, then we should go out there and bring them in ourselves. Okay, cool. If the largest cities in our country are unable to support the influx of people, what makes you think that that's going to get any better? Many people say, well, pour more money into it, more federal money. What money? All of the money that's being poured into anything right now from the federal government is causing more and more inflation. Again, I keep telling people, if you print more money and you add more money to the economy, but there's no growth to the economy that made that money happen, inflation. That's how to, It's not magic, guys. It's absolutely identifiable, repeatable evidence. That's inflation. So the more money you pour into this, the more inflation you have, which means the more money you have to pour into it, which means the more inflation you cause. How do you like having to pay four or $5 a gallon for gas on a good day? How do you like the 30, 40, 50% increase in your grocery bill? Yeah, that's because of all the money that we've dumped into the economy over the last two years. And now you're saying that we should do it even more? That's, the, that's, the, that's going to solve the problem? No, it's not going to solve the problem. It's going to make the problem 10 times worse. Because here's the thing. Here's what's, inflation has settled into our economy. Everyone expects it to be here for a while, which means they're going to keep spending money right now that they don't have on credit cards, on loans, whatever. They're going to keep spending money that they don't have now because they know that it's going to be more expensive tomorrow. Which, what does that cause? It causes it to be more expensive tomorrow. It's a self-fulfilling feedback loop of a prophecy. And the inflation is not going to get any better by spending more money. It's only going to make people say, oh, well, inflation's going to go up. I better get in on this now and get what I'm going to buy now before it goes up. Well, guess what? Then it goes up. So we can't just dump more money into this and say it's going to solve the problem because it's not going to. So instead, we just look at the border and say, it's secure. Just because you say it's secure does not make it secure. I'm sorry. I hope you aren't too disappointed. Like I said, just because you say it's your priority does not mean it is actually your priority. Words do have meanings, and what you are saying does not line up with reality. There may come a day when there are open borders across all countries with no issues, no setbacks, no problems, no exploitation, no abuse. But I doubt it because I've seen the people of this world. I've seen what we cause in pain every day to all these people around us. And I do not anticipate that getting any better any time soon. Before I go too much further, I wanted to make one last statement on of, of, of a political nature before we move into the, 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 the film review that I wanted to do. And that's simply this. Biden, and I believe it was in my last episode, Biden had made a hugely dangerous rhetorical statement of a speech. And he called out anyone who voted for Trump. He labeled them as his, his phrase was MAGA Republicans. Then he tried to make it better by saying, well, MAGA Republicans are the violent ones. They're the ones who cause all these issues. But here's the deal. I wanted to show you a clip of someone, and someone did, they uh, clipped his message, his speech, into a side-by-side -side with the Summer of Love that took place in 2020. And I, I, I want to remind you of who has been violent 
in the past. And let, just, just watch this. And let you tell me what you think about what he says and the images and audio that are going with it. Watch this. Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. MAGA Republicans do not respect the Constitution. They do not believe in the rule of law. They do not recognize the will of the people. And they fan the flames of political violence that are a threat to our personal rights, to the pursuit of justice, to the rule of law, to the very soul of this country. They embrace anger. They thrive on chaos. The willingness to engage in political violence is fatal to democracy. More and more talk about violence as an acceptable political tool in this country. There is no place for political violence in America, period. None, ever. As he, in that final clip being a clip of a building burning, you see what the left refuses, refuses to accept. Is yeah, the people who rioted on January 6th are absolutely bad people. They should be in prison. They should be punished. But there were many people there that had no idea what had happened and simply were waved in. They're not the same. They're not. You also had the people who, during what was nicknamed the Summer of Love, during the race riots, um, after George Floyd and Kyle Rittenhouse and all these other stories that broke in 2020, the left refused to acknowledge that it was the people on the left, not liberals, leftists, that caused all of the violence and all of the chaos and all the pain during those riots. But yet they will sit here and they will declare that anyone that voted for Trump, anyone who has questions about the election, is automatically a terrorist. And yes, that is the going understanding now. That is the the mainstream popular belief of the left now, is that if you questioned the 2020 election results, of which who hasn't questioned any result from any election ever, But if you question those results, you are a racist and you're a terrorist. How you become a racist by questioning an election, I will never understand. But that is what they claim. I wanted you to see, and if you weren't watching on YouTube, I recommend you go and find this episode and watch there. But I wanted you to see and understand the absolute insanity of that speech. I make no claim here that the right is innocent. I make no claim that the left is the only one who's ever caused a problem. But what I do say is that of the two parties in power, only one is acknowledging any kind of wrong from people who claim to be on their, in their base, while the other party is absolutely ignoring reality. And if you think the Democrats are the ones accept, uh, acknowledging the violence in their party, you're wrong. It's not. There are many, many Republicans who have acknowledged that January 6th was wrong. In fact, almost every single one of them have. But the Democrats will not acknowledge that the riots were wrong in 2020. They'll acknowledge that the riots had a place and should have happened because of the generational mistreatment of minorities. I believe billions of dollars in damage was done. Hundreds, if not thousands, were injured. And dozens if not hundreds, were killed 
during those riots. I don't see how that is acceptable. I don't see how that is remotely okay. And the rhetoric that Biden is pushing is causing the divide between the left and the right to grow, not shrink. It's emboldening the extremists to take action and to cause bloodshed. Be careful what you wish for because you just might get it. I pray not, but it might just happen. Now, after that nice depressing note, I want to move on to something a little more exciting, at least for me. Maybe you think I'm crazy, and that's fine. But I have always been a Tolkien nerd. I love his books. I have read I have read uh, The Hobbit. I have read Lord of the Rings multiple times. I've done it by audiobook. I, I love it. I have read The Silmarillion. Still get confused about every other turn because it's a very confusing book. But I have read it. I can claim that. Now I just watch clips on YouTube to explain to me what I didn't understand. But I love Tolkien. And anybody who tries to accuse me of not loving Tolkien is going to have a problem because they're not right. So I decided that I wanted to see the Rings of Power show that has come on Amazon Prime. And people have said that it is a terrible show and that it is nothing but race baiting and it's so woke and it's terrible and we just can't stand it. And while they have already slated 50 episodes to be made or 50 hours of episodes to be made over multiple seasons, eight episodes in this season, only three have aired so far. So there's plenty of time for them to screw it up. I will grant you that there's plenty of time for them to screw it up. But I haven't seen that yet. And some people would say, well, you're not paying attention. This is terrible. It's awful. He's totally against Tolkien. Just wait. The first episode, and I will try not to give you spoilers, but just understand it's been out for two weeks now. Go watch it. It's really good but I will do my best not to spoil it. But what we have, what we find in the first episode is what has been coined a girl boss Galadriel. And what that means is it's a derogatory term referring to a woman who basically shows up every man on in the scene somehow, right? That the man, the men there are just absolutely inadequate and stupid and can't do anything. And I will say that there is a scene that comes close to that and might cross into that territory. But so far I've only seen it as one scene and not the whole show. And like I said, you could argue that it wasn't that you can argue that it was. It's kind of ambiguous in that way. So it depends on which way you want to look at it. If you want to like it, there's plenty to like in this story. If you don't want to like it, there's plenty you can find not to like it. What I will say is just cinematically, just cinematography of it is the the coloring of the images, the the CGI, the practical effects that we loved of Lord of the Rings is all here. It's all in this. It's just updated with new tech to make it happen. But when you see orcs, they don't look like the terrifyingly awful versions that are in The Hobbit. They look like the uniquely terrifying, disgusting characters that were done in The Lord of the Rings, the original trilogy, because those evoked so much imagination and thought and grandeur. That's what they came back to do. That's what they attempted this time. Many people are back from uh, the original Lord of the Rings. Some of the characters are back and playing different roles that they're under so much makeup you can't tell. Um, There is, in fact, an orc 
that actually is played by, I can, and I wish I could remember his name, but I can't, who actually played most of the most famous orcs out of um, Lord of the Rings and ended up playing Nori in The Hobbit, one of the dwarves. Great actor, has done a great job, and I have loved seeing what he's done in this so far. Again, there's only three episodes, so there's plenty of things that they can screw up. There's plenty of things they can make right. But so far, they have stuck reasonably close to the book. People have said that that's not, not the case. There is one concern that I have, and that it's in the time that this story takes place, it's in the second age of the Lord of the Rings. Now, quick recap. They try to cover a lot of it in the opening story. That seemed to me is that the opening monologue or prologue is probably the weak point for me, but it's because you're comparing it to probably the master class of opening prologues from the Fellowship of the Ring, just one of the best opening prologues ever. And then you come to this one. So it, it, your your hopes are set really, really high and suddenly, you know, something doesn't make up for it, doesn't reach that. This one's okay. It's good. Don't get me wrong. It's not like it's terrible, but it's not that masterclass in amazing prologue openings, right? What I am concerned about is that during this time period in the story, Galadriel, who seems to be the main character we're following right now, um, who's an incredibly powerful and wise uh, elf, and she is married at this point to Celeborn. A lot of the names are very similar, and so I might get them mixed up. I believe it's Celeborn who she's married to by this point in the story. We haven't met him yet. And she doesn't act like she's married to him yet. And that's concerning to me because I don't want her to fall in love with somebody and have this romantic trisk over here that's just not canon. It's just not a part of her character, right? Now, granted, she's she's like 6,000 years old, even at this point. I get it. I understand that there's a lot of growth and change you can have in that. In fact, that's one of the things I do like about it is that in this story, she's not the calm, collected, poised, wise, silent leader that she is in the third age where the Lord of the Rings story takes place. In fact, she is impetuous and filled with rage and anger and vengeance and that she is single-minded in that to her detriment. I get that maybe maybe she grew in that from here to there. I, I I can see that happening. That's totally fine. What I'm what I'm afraid of is though that they're going to cause her to leave her character as who she actually is in the arc that she was already written written for her. Because Tolkien has already said that she was a mighty warrior and that she had great abilities to lead both militarily and. Uh, as a civilian, not necessarily in the military, but to lead the government, to, 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 to lead the people, to lead the elves. She was a great leader. That's all in the story and it's all understood from Tolkien. And yet people are furious that that's what she's doing here. And I don't see the problem. Now, people are very upset because, let's understand, let's get the, let's understood. This story was written as a mythology for Northern European countries, specifically for Great Britain and the British Isles. Because they didn't have a mythology. The Greeks have a mythology. Egyptians have a mythology. The Romans have a mythology. But Northern Europe doesn't really have that. You you can go into the Norse mythology, but Western Northern Europe, France, Spain, Germany, England, that area, doesn't really have one. And he wanted to give them one. And that's what he wrote The Lord of the Rings for. But that means that the the characters in it look like the characters that would have believed in this mythology, right? That's that's what they would have thought of. That's what they would have seen. That means they're primarily white. That's Northern Europe, right? That's that's the, that's the people who have lived in Northern Europe for millennia. So I understand why people think that that's what the characters should look like. I get that. But I also understand 
if you'll write me a good character, I don't care what they look like. That's my thought. And there is a character, uh, Arendir, I believe is his name. Forgive me if I'm mispronouncing it. He is a made-up character for the story, so he's not a part of the original Silmarillion or any of the history of Lord of the Rings. He is an, he's a, an original character made up for this. He is black. He has short, curly hair. He looks like no elf we have seen in these stories ever before during in, in any part of the Lord of the Rings story so far. But I will tell you this. I think he's my favorite character so far. And he is absolutely the most elf-like character there is. He just is. He's one of my favorite characters. He does a great job. Great actor. Great skills. I'm loving it. But what about what about the uh, black dwarf woman? And? And literally, I, it doesn't bother me. I was concerned that it would. I, I will admit that. I was concerned that they were going to make it into a race-baiting thing. But in the story so far, again, they have plenty of time to mess this up. But so far, again, a great character. Love her to death. Can't wait to see more of her in the story. I have no problem with what I have seen so far. And anybody who says otherwise, I think, is not giving it a fair shake. And I'm not saying that everybody's going to like it, right? Not everybody likes these movies. Not everybody likes Lord of the Rings in general. One of my friends says that it's horribly overrated, and I think he is entirely and utterly stupid. But, you know, that's his choice. He can believe that. He can think that all he wants. But I love the fact that we get to go back to Middle Earth, and we get to see the history that I've read about and tried my best to uh, keep track of in my head. But let's quickly go over the history of Lord of the Rings, right? So you understand where this story lies. So in the beginning, there is the one God of of Middle-earth, of Arda, which is the whole world's name. Uh, His name is Eru Iluvatar. He is a single God, right? He creates um, a... Higher choir and lower choir, or higher set of gods and lower set of gods, the Val, the Val, uh, Valar and the Maiar, they're together called the Ainur. And through their singing, they create the world. Uh, and through Iluvatar's vision of what he wants it to be. But one of them, Melkor, decides to sing terribly and and puts into the world, into the the, the world anger and hatred and revenge and discordant notes. And each time Iluvatar changes the tune, Melkor comes back with his own, trying to change it again. And before it's all done, Iluvatar simply says to him, everything you have done is already a part of my plan. You cannot harm my plan because he's all powerful. This infuriates Melkor and he goes off to cause problems later on. Then Iluvatar shows him the world. They see it. They love it. And they enter into it and begin to prepare everything for the arrival of Iluvatar's children. That's what they're called. That is the elves and men. During this time, they grow all of these plants and the the lights the 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 light that they have to to light up this world is two lampstands. Melkor can't stand these things and finally arrives and destroys them. Before the lamps completely go out, they are then created into two trees doing the same thing. Again, this infuriates him. But during this point, the elves have awoken in Middle-earth and are drawn to Valinor, where the Valar and the Maiar are. That's where they will spend their time. This is where the story opens in this time period, uh, where the elves are in Valinor. This is a part of the prologue of the story. We see the two trees. They're gorgeous. They're amazing. And they quickly fast forward and through the fact that Melkor, Morgoth is his new, will be his new name after this, but Melkor uh, comes in with a giant spider named Ungoliant who kills and poisons the tree. Before the last seed and the last fruit fail, they take them and create the sun and the moon out of them that circle Arda in the sky. This infuriates Melkor again because he can't get rid of them now. Why they didn't do this first? I don't know. But anyway, all of that happens. Melkor flees to Middle-earth and begins to build up his forces. The elves leave 
Valinor, the Undying Lands, and head east to Middle-earth to make a life there and to basically fight with Melkor to make a beautiful time in in Middle-earth. Well, this goes on for millennia. This is in the First Age at this point. And the First Age ends whenever the elves beg for help from the Valar, who then come and help to destroy Melkor and his forces, which takes over a century to do. That's how powerful he was. He is destroyed. He is imprisoned. But not before his second-in-command gets away, Sauron. This story will follow that. It will look into the Second Age, which the Second Age begins when Melkor is defeated. The Second Age will end, it begins when Melkor is defeated, it will end when Sauron is defeated the first time. Then we will move to the Third Age, which will end when the Lord of the Rings, the books and and the movies cover the ending of the Third Age into the Fourth Age. That's what will happen there. So you're pretty well caught up on the basic infrastructure of what's taking place in this story well enough that you can go and watch it and enjoy it. Here's the thing. If you don't know anything about Lord of the Rings, you can find this story enjoyable. If you know a lot about Lord of the Rings, you can still find this story enjoyable. If you want to be mad about it, you can do that too. It's completely up to you and how you approach this. It's your choice. So you make it. But I'm going to tell you that so far, I would give it a five out of five. Definitely would recommend you should go and watch it and enjoy it because I have and I will continue to. If they change it, if they mess it up, again, they have plenty of time to do so. If they mess it up, I will come back and I will let you know and I will no longer watch any further. But it hasn't happened yet and I'm hoping and praying that it doesn't happen. That's today's episode, guys. I am going to get out of here. It is time for me to move on with life. I know this was a this was a fun episode, right? We covered a lot of stuff, but that's the end of that. So remember, like, subscribe, comment. Let people know about this show. Let them know what truth you're finding, what information you're finding, and the stuff that you are loving. But until next time, I'm your host, Zach, and this is Zach's Fact Shack. We'll see you next time.